Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday, talking some USC Trojan football with Dan Weber. It's been a while since we had Dan on. Lots of stuff has been going on. We apologize. It's been a, almost two weeks since we had a show. Um, yeah, so it was a lot going on. I was out of town. Dan was covering the trial for a long time, so we're going to try to get back on our normal schedule and get Dan on every week uh, with me. And talking all about the latest USC Trojan football news. And there's been a bunch we want to get to. If you have any questions or comments for us, send them in. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can call or text. The number is 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. We're also on all the different podcasting apps like Google Play and uh, Stitcher Radio and TuneIn Radio and Audio Boom and all those. So check us out anywhere. Leave us uh, some positive feedback. A five-star rating would be awesome. Certainly helps spread the word about our little show. Uh, this will be our 11th football season coming up, and there's a lot to get to. So let's jump right in with Dan Weber. What is up, Dan? How are you doing? Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, and I'll, I'll say this uh, for the audience out there. Ryan's playing hurt a little bit today. He's a little... Little under the weather, so uh, he's he's uh, he's doing what all uh, good Trojans do, and he's uh, he's fighting on. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, as you say, I mean, we've been gone for two weeks, and how many things have happened? I don't, I, I don't know if I can keep track of all the things. Uh, we keep saying it every day, every time we're on here. Uh, just stay tuned. If you know, if it's, if it's USC football, something's going on, and uh, man, a lot's going on. There is a lot going on, and before we jump into all of it, we're going to talk about, we've got your questions. There was a bunch of questions kind of left over for Dan while he was doing the trial, so he his whole day was pretty much taken up by that, so we didn't really get to have Dan on very much. If you got to check out the trial recap, the Todd McNair NCAA trial recap with Keely and Dan, so they did that one a couple weeks ago, uh, but there was a lot of leftover team questions. We're going to try to get to as many of them it's possible, plus hit some of the major topics that have been going on. We want to talk about Max Nikias. We want to talk about, um, you know, a little bit about the trial. We want to talk about Jack Jones. Uh, summer workouts have started, and then get into your questions. So lots to get to. Wanted to thank our sponsor. Uh, before we jump into all that, Trader Joe's, uh, they've been great to us over the last year or so. Uh, Dan and I are both huge fans of Trader Joe's. I, I was in Target yesterday. Picking up some things, and I had my Trader Joe's bags, the, the USC bags. They are, they are pretty cool. And my, I made breakfast the other morning. My wife loves these. Uh, they're like bacon pieces, so it's like this little package, and there's lots of big pieces of bacon that I kind of fry up in the pan and stuff. Uh, that's a new thing I was doing lately, Dan. But my, my wife and I both okay. love going to Trader Joe's. We go every week. Can't go wrong without thinking. And I'm actually looking at my Trader Joe's bag uh, as we speak. Uh, uh, ready to head out and uh, have the Trader Joe's bag out and ready to go. My neighbor, uh, Dr. Jeremy Abramson, we're not related, but different kind of last name. So he lives right next door to me. Uh, he's a professor at USC. And uh, he tweeted me the other day. He's like, I had no idea the bag you gave me was like this kind of a collector's item. All these people come up to me <laughs> and talk about it. So uh, we'll try to do some sort of event in August and give away more of those uh, USC Trader Joe's bags because they're not for sale. Uh, they're just promotional items that be given away, and we gave away I think 600 of them last year. So we'll, we'll try to we'll try to beat that this year, maybe, Dan. Yeah, whatever store you're in, uh, you immediately get the uh, high ground when you're in line at the, the cashiers <laughs> if you have a, a Trader Joe's bag. I mean, it's like uh, you know everybody defers to you because uh, there's just something about that bag. Oh, you know, this was this is completely off topic. I was wondering about though, like you. You get branded bags, so now everywhere you go, you you got to bring your own bags and stuff. To like, if you're in you know Vons and you're bringing Trader Joe's, or if you're in Target and you're bringing Coles or whatever, like some different you know branded bags, like 
that's probably going to be a problem at some point. Wouldn't you think? Like people that bring these bags or give them—I don't know. I mean, it's like it's like advertising in the other person's store. Yeah, I guess. Although you know, if it's the Trader Joe's bag, you know, the Cardinal and Gold and all the other, you kind of are like the cool guy in line. You know, I mean, it's like okay, I don't care. You got Ralph. You got Stater Brothers. I got Trader Joe's. You know, it's. Uh, I don't. Know, I think it's. It's 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 fun to be uh, the contrarian. I think if you're in line at a at another uh, at another uh, you know establishment and you've got your Trader Joe's bag, so uh, uh, you can kind of say uh, you know I'm the I'm the cool guy in line. Look at my bag. <laughs> it is. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. That's completely off topic though. But yeah, thank, definitely check out Trader Joe's, and uh, we appreciate uh, their sponsorship. All right. So topics. Um, there's this guy, Dan. I don't know if you know him, Max Nikias. He was the president. I guess he's still the president, but he's stepping down of the university. Had a six billion dollar uh, camp fundraising campaign that raised more money than USC had raised in like the last sixty years or something crazy like that, and then started another three billion dollar one. All this controversy surrounding uh, mostly the medical school. He's decided now to step down. I know you had a, a close relationship with, with Max, and you audited his class this last semester. Uh, we I talked about it with Harvey Hyde last or two weeks ago, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts since we didn't really get to talk about this very much. What you think about it, and any impact on the uh, USC football team going forward? Yeah, I don't know about you know the football impact. Yeah, personally, uh, I, I thought Max was a you know potentially. You know, if we're only looking at it from the football standpoint. I mean, here he was, you know, this is a, a, a guy born in, you know, Cyprus and educated in, you know, in Greece and, um, you know, got his, uh, you know, uh, advanced degrees at the University of Buffalo. But, uh, but, you know, was learning about American football and college, the whole college sports setup. But, but, you know, by the time he, you know, leaves USC, he's the chair of the college football playoffs committee. He's also chair of the CEO group of the Pac-12, and I think, you know, was really in, in place to, um, to have some impact. Uh, I wish he probably would have had more input from, you know, the USC athletic department in terms of uh, maybe decisions about the Coliseum renovation or, uh, you know, the Pac-12 going forward and those kinds of things, uh, uh, you know, even more help on, on some coaching selections. Uh, I, I think people kind of used him to symbolize their frustration with uh, USC athletics or USC football uh, at a time or two. You know, I found him, uh, you know, a, a delightful, uh, very engaged uh, guy, a very curious guy, a really good teacher. I, I thought his class was, uh, was uh, you know, bringing, you know, here's a trained engineer, basically, uh, and, and, you know, that was his specialty, but he was teaching the classics and, and kind of bringing the Greek classics, uh, you know, the tragedies of Sophocles up to date uh, and, and looking at them, you know, through a modern lens and how they still are, you know, 2,500 years after they were written really, uh, you know, have a lot of impact. And uh, so I, uh, you know, I was, I, I don't think he had any choice in terms of, you um, uh, I think, you know, the, the medical school dean situation, you have to probably react sooner and quicker. I know one of the difficulties in USC has been that each of these, you know, departments or schools has been kind of autonomous, and it's been kind of a family situation, a private school. They haven't had all the layers of bureaucracy maybe that, say, you know, as somebody who also covered UCLA, that's a completely different world in a big bureaucratic state institution. Um, and so I'm not sure USC was geared up completely to handle its growth, its impact. It's the larger empl- largest employee in Los Angeles and all the things that, you know, uh, where USC is going right now and all of the, you know, all of its impact nationally and internationally. And uh, I, I just, you know, the reaction time and, the, you know, the correct reaction just didn't seem to be there. Uh, and then then you get, uh, you know, the uh, student health service, uh, you know, gynecologist who seems to have just 
been on his own for the last 30 years or whatever. And, and, and again, you hear reports that no, they were kind of on their own. The health service was kind of a standalone, um, operation and maybe without the kind of oversight or the kind of reporting and all of that, that, that you needed to have. And, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, at that point, no matter all the good that Max has done, and I think that kind of got lost in the stampede to, you know, the off with his head kind of, you know, somebody has to pay, this is bad. And, and I think, you know, it was, uh, I think it was lost a little bit in the, you know, the shuffle of, uh, you know, a lot of the professors and people who signed a letter to get rid of Max are benefiting tremendously from the money that Max has raised. I mean, that was the largest campaign. Uh, the $6 billion campaign was the largest campaign in, in, in American higher education. And they, you know, hit the numbers and hit them early and uh, kept on going. And, you know, they're close to another billion and, you know, with the goal of $3 billion. So uh, there a lot of good for Max that I think got, got lost, uh, you know, in the shuffle. And, and, and personally, you know, I will, I, I really liked, liked him. I thought, I thought he could be very positive for football. For example, when he came you know, he would come to practice and want to find out what, what everything was going on. I wish, I wish the football people and the athletic department people would have maybe uh, made their case a little harder to Max about what they needed and what was, uh, you know, necessary and what, you know, what the world of, of the elite college football programs uh, means and, and what it means, uh, you know, financially and what it means in terms of a commitment. And I'm not sure that was sold hard enough, uh, you know, to Max. Uh, I would give you an example of the renovation of the Coliseum. I, I just think, for them to go in with a $270 million budget for almost a century old, you know, iconic, uh, you know, maybe the most important sports venue in the history of sports, uh, that wasn't enough. And somebody needed, and it's easy to say, well, that's Max's fault. No, somebody needed to really make the case to Max that no, maybe we need 500 million at this point, And maybe we have to commit to, to raising more. Uh, but it was just easier to, to say it was Max's fault. And, and I don't think it was. So, so, so I, I, I'm sorry to see him go. And I'm sorry under the circumstances, but I don't see that there was any other, uh, any other choice. I think something had to happen uh, as a result of, of the things that happened that really, really should not have. And the responses that, that weren't there. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think there was, it's not just all oh, he was this horrible president. There was a lot of good things he did, and there was a interesting op-ed in I think the L.A. Times from one of the professors. Although there was a lot of professors that wanted him gone. I mean, there, I think there's may, you know more sides to the story. On the football side, we had a, this question from Bearsecutor, and we see this on the Peristyle too, Dan, on the on the message board that some people didn't like a lot of stuff that happened with football and their Max and Kias. But he said, so this is from Bearsecutor. He said, sorry, I can't agree with your thruster specifics of your defense of Max Nikias. Sure, no president can grasp all the moving pieces of a major university, but his mishandling of the decade-long football fiasco at USC and the inbred nature for the athletic department and how uh, ex- it's not how excellent presidents function. He should have been uh, dismissed after the med school dean scandal, not for just the uh, not just for the horrible and persistent nature of the situation, but it was. Uh, one of his direct reports, the university president's job above all is to select and monitor deans, ADs, and heads of athletic centers. That's it. When a dean uh, does what the med school dean did at USC, uh, you're not monitoring You're not monitoring him. Same thing with Hayden, obviously, who was mailing it in and exploiting a nonprofit for poor kids for his own financial gain. Max did not do his job in two key areas. It's irrelevant that he's a nice guy or teaches classes or cares about students. He failed utterly, publicly, and repeatedly in two key areas of direct responsibility, Heritage Hall and the med school. Uh, he made lazy or bad lazy selections and failed to monitor them. He should have been held accountable years ago. The board of trustees obviously kept on him, uh, kept him on because he was bringing in the money. Now with the campaign winding down, no uh, discerning observer of USC should be shocked that he's gone. And while we're at it, why haven't the media given us the requiem follow-up on Pat Hayden? 
why was he allowed to go away quietly and in peace? Why was he allowed to quote unquote resign? Why hasn't he been interviewed since leaving USC? When when is he going to be questioned and held accountable for his actions? Woo, mouthful from Bear Secutor, Dan. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think the med school dean did it for me. I mean, I think you know that should, uh, you're right. A direct report, and that should have. And there was enough there, and that was a misread of uh, of the entire situation, and that was uh, a kind of a circle the wagons protect the guys in the, inside the circle and all of that. I think with Hayden. I think we all know what we think about Pat and his job uh, now. But I think at the time, you know, here's a guy. He was a, I mean, he, I used to call him the guy with the golden resume. I mean, here's the former USC quarterback, this, you know, hustling little guy that helps him win a national championship. Uh, you know, a Rhodes Scholar comes back and plays for the Rams. I mean, and there's no way he probably, you know, should have been a, a Rams quarterback. He gets his law degree. He's, uh, you know, on the board of trustees. He's a nationally, you know, well-known uh, broadcaster doing Notre Dame games of all things. Uh, I think at the time when what happened to USC happened to USC with the NCAA, he was kind of the logical choice. Now, obviously, like the first thing he said, uh, you know, we're going to win the right way. And you, you, as I did, you say, uh-oh, where is this going to go? And it didn't go where it, it should have gone. And, and, you know, the hiring like of, of Steve Sarkeesian and, and all of those things. Um, uh, I don't think overseeing athletics was an easy call for, you know, for Max. I mean, I mean, I'll fault him, you know, more for the medical school dean than the, than the athletics. It was hard, you know, to probably predict uh, how the whole, you know, Pat Hayden thing was going to play out. And I know people can say, well, it's the inbreed, you know, you're inbred hiring and you're just hiring USC guys and you're feeling safe and all that. Yeah. I, I, I would say, that that was an issue. I'm not sure uh, where you. There are times when people say, "Let's get rid of this coach," and you say, "Well, yeah, but who's going to hire the next one?" I mean, do you feel like you know you have any any confidence there? I, I probably also would say, you know, paying uh, an athletic director nearly three million dollars a year was pretty out of line, uh, you know, for what you for what you got, and uh, so. So yeah, you can make make the case that as it went along, uh, um, but man, you you have an athletic. I mean, you already had you know you had to fire two head coaches in the middle of the season, uh, two years apart, which has never happened before. Uh, obviously, that would indicate an issue with the athletic director, you know, as well. But uh, but I'm I'm not as down on him for maybe not seeing how how the athletic director's situation was going to turn out as 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 for the medical school dean uh that would be that would have been the one for me that that is the hardest to um to accept oh yeah you're putting lives in danger and all that i think he screwed up on the athletic side too i mean i hate the fact that i can ride up at the coliseum press box in the elevator and see the two athletic directors on the you know each side of the elevator because they were both former players that's never been an athletic director before. That's just to me, it, you know, you do it once, like why are you doing it again? It's like you did this, you did the same thing with Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. Like you make a mistake and then you remake it. Um, first time maybe, but not the although, second time. Although, although I think they also look at the one guy in like in the last half century who wasn't a USC grad who was a, the AD, and they think, holy criminy. He might have been worse. I mean, it's like, you know, the track record has is, it's been a it's been a hard uh, hard pull. I think. Uh, 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 I mean, I, I would count John McKay as a USC guy. By the time he was an athletic director, he was already a USC guy. Yeah. But uh, but but the one person completely from the outside, that was not uh, that was not a happy uh, happy time either. And yeah, USC's had some trouble making those hires. I mean, you know, obviously the best hire, uh, you know, the, the first guy, you know, came out of nowhere, uh, the last half century, McKay came out of nowhere and darn near got fired. 
at Pete Carroll, they clearly didn't want, and they didn't have anybody else. So uh, USC's record uh, in that area hasn't been uh, hasn't been what you would hope for. It just it hasn't worked out all that well. Certainly not. All right. Well, let's go to the next topic. Um, this is. Oh wait, we have like a news thing. We can. Uh... Breaking news. Um, no, I don't use that very often. But the um, so Jack Jones. Uh, it was interesting. I know he talked to uh, or, or Joey Kaufman talked to Clay Helton about the potential for Jack Jones coming back. He was obviously academically ineligible for the spring. Then uh, he wasn't going to make it back. He's going to be off the team. I think you know Clay Helton's thought was he could go to a JC and then potentially come back uh, in a year. Now he's been arrested. There's felony charges, burglary. Uh, wouldn't expect that to ever happen now, but it's been a pretty interesting ride here for, for Jack Jones. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I don't know that I could have probably made it a, uh, like a, a realistic possibility with Clay saying, you know, he can go to junior college and get his act together and come back. I kind of doubt that. I mean, I think that's classic Clay trying to be, as positive, put as positive a spin on it as he could and trying to give a kid every possible chance. But, um, you know, I think if you had one of those little thought bubbles above Clay's head, he's saying, no, no way. He's not, he's just not. I mean, we, and, and the trouble I had with Jack, as entertaining as he could be and as exciting as he could be, is uh, uh, the one position group that we, it worked out right in front of us every day with the cornerbacks. And he just, he just did whatever he wanted to do pretty much. And he it was, I think without a doubt going forward, cornerbacks are better. It's subtract. It's a, as they say, addition by subtraction. Um, they, they became, I mean, this is a kid that got, you know, I think AP had him on the third team, all American last year. And yet, I mean, his not being here is better for USC than his being here. You know, and it hurts Jack probably. You know, in the short run, it's probably a really tough deal for Jack. If he uses it properly and if he realizes, man, i got to get my act together and this isn't about me, you know, this isn't about me and, and the big picture, they'll be fine. But what about me? And then, you know, convinces somebody – you know, I'll come back and I'll I'll really you know do what you want me to do. I'll listen. I'll practice hard. I'll pay attention. I'm not going to talk about winning Heisman trophies and all that kind of silly stuff. And probably that was I don't know that I ever asked him a question about that, but enough people did uh, just just to get him talking. And I thought that was you know no, it's kind of out of uh, you know. So he's going to say that. And you could write it and act like, wow, this this is crazy. But uh, I didn't I didn't appreciate you know joining in with the crazy talk with uh, with Jack. Uh, he he just he I don't think he was reality based in terms of some of his decisions and his thinking. And uh, got a lot of ability, um, a tougher kid than probably he should be for 170 pounds or whatever in terms of contact and, and all other things, but just no discipline um, and no sense of, you know, I've got to do it the way the coaches want me to do it. Uh, that, that didn't seem to be a big factor. And, uh, and maybe USC needed to make him understand that sooner rather than later. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, let's hope it's a good thing for Jack. Uh, you know, and we don't know the whole story with you know with the arrest and all that that, 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 i'm not going to just immediately assume that everything is as as charged and kids do really stupid things uh where they don't even have any idea you know what they're i'm not saying that's that's the case i don't know what the case is uh uh you just hope it's it's not as bad as it looks if it is uh then I don't know what I don't both know what his future is. I think it would be really tough to come back because a lot of places now are putting restrictions on uh, transfers in that are you know like the whole Southeastern Conference is pretty much uh, you know going to be off limits and 
I'm thinking it's it's, it's going to be harder and harder to you know come back from something like that. So uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I'm not going to you know immediately judge him on the on the on the legal um, you know on the criminal stuff uh, because I just I don't know. Yeah, and I I think the odds of Jack Jones ever playing for USC again are, are essentially eliminated now. There's I I wouldn't you know just a charge comes up we never see these guys again. There was there's enough going on here and and to me Dan I don't know if we talked about this before. Um, I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. Watching Jack Jones while he was suspended in the spring, uh, you know while he was academically ineligible, you know working on his uh, 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 apparently working on the academic side of things, you got to see him around, and I got to see some of his social media posts, and I never got the impression that this was a guy that was like, man, I'm. I, I screwed up. I got to make sure that I'm back. And my nose is at a grindstone and I'm working. It just seemed like he was this happy go lucky goofing around. You'd see him at practice. It just didn't seem like, dude, the reason you're not here is because you didn't study or whatever, you know, there's because you couldn't make grades. I never got the impression that he was that impacted him at all. And he was trying to get back. Now that's just from my observations. I could be completely wrong. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but if I had to make a bet, I would have said, no, nope, it's, he's not going to be getting back. Yeah, I don't think he realized the the trouble he was in, in in both ways. I mean, I think, first of all, I think most of us realized just the fact that he was uh, suspended from the first game of next year meant that he was going to go through, even if he got back, even if academically he'd have done the work, uh, he would have not been running first team through the summer. I mean, you can't afford to. Uh, I, I don't think you can't afford to, you know, somebody who's not even going to play at all, you know, in the first game. I don't know that he was impacted as much as he should have been by that or by the academic warnings. It didn't sound like he took those seriously, that he, he thought he was okay. And uh, he found out he wasn't. So it's a reality check uh, for a kid who just hasn't seemed to be real reality-based. Um uh, for his time at USC, it, it didn't seem like anything exactly got through to him. Um, and, you know, it was a tip off I, when he starts talking about the Heisman before he's played in, played in a game. You know, I mean, it just it was crazy talk. And I didn't get the sense he was putting everybody on. I got the sense that he kind of liked the thought that maybe he could mention himself as a possible Heisman contender. And that was just, you know, <laughs> I mean, people were thought Marcus Allen, when he was heading to his senior year, and he actually, I think at that point was telling himself anyway, I got a shot at the Heisman. And they were thinking like, man, Marcus, is, yeah, you sure? You want to, <laughs> that was Marcus Allen. Here you got a freshman defensive back. He hasn't played yet. He's mentioned himself as a Heisman, you know, candidate. Um, just, it just didn't work out. No, it just didn't seem like he was connected to the, the, the reality of things. All right. Uh, well let's, so you guys were down. Hopefully everyone checked out our Todd McNair coverage. I mean, I know some people don't care, but we, we had, we had a cover it every day. You and Keely were down there every single day. Um, and we've had some questions since, uh, since then, like Tarek wrote in and says, since the court showed that McNair did nothing illegal, couldn't USC give him a job of some kind? And we also had this voicemail. So I'll play that and kind of get your thoughts on all this. Hello, Ryan. Uh, this is a question or a statement for uh, Dan Werber that you guys can discuss. I have a thought. This the, uh, McNair trial, this is a fate in, uh, that's going to have work good for USC. Uh Next year, when the line coach leaves, um, uh, Todd McNair, when the line coach goes to be a uh, offensive line coach, Todd McNair comes in to be the running back coach, and this would be good for SC. And I know my question is kind of uh, scrambled, but what do you guys think about that? That's a pretty good thought, an interesting thought. You know, I know a lot of people think, well, maybe, uh, you know, Tim Drevno will you know, gravitate to, um, uh, you know, offensive line if Coach Callaway decides, you know, that 
maybe, uh, you know, he's had uh, uh, enough of a career. I mean, he's won more SEC championship rings than anybody in history uh, and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, uh, and that would leave an opening you know, for a running back coach. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big person in terms of the um, – uh, I'm very much in favor of USC finding a way to hire – uh, you know Todd McNair. I, I I think most programs of USC stature have a person who is their uh, director of NFL relations, a guy who really works with with players in terms and scouts, and works with uh, you know the films and works with the again the players understanding the reality of the NFL. And I think you know Todd would be great uh, for doing something like that. I think the one thing, though, we might be getting ahead of ourselves, and we'll just say it here, you know, and now, uh, Todd McNair's lawsuit, you know, against the NCAA was uh, seven years ago, basically, almost exactly filed seven years ago, and uh, it's not over. It, it, it isn't over. It hasn't been. I mean, we, we got the verdict. Uh, I think it, it's not until the end of the summer when it's finalized. But all I can tell you is um, stay tuned. It's not over. Um, and I don't know that anything necessarily can happen, you know, with Todd uh, until it's over. And um, it might not be over, you know, for a while. So uh, I know can't say anymore, but uh, uh, I think all of us who were at the trial, including the NCAA attorneys who were right in front of us, when the jury buzzed and said they've got a verdict, the NCAA attorneys were basically telling one another, hey, we did a good job, uh, you know, nothing to feel, you know, sorry about or ashamed about. We really, they were ready to lose. They, they thought they were going to lose, uh, as did everybody who was at the trial. And when the jurors came out, and you could see the looks on their faces, and they wouldn't, you know, they didn't make eye contact with Todd. And I, a couple of the NCA people in front of me are like tapping one another. Like, are, do we have a chance? Is there a chance the jury's going to go in our favor? And you could tell from uh, Judge Schaller when he was given the verdict and looked at it, he was in disbelief. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out, but I'll just say that again. It's not over. And, uh, and stay tuned. Yeah, and that's a tease, man. Um, now there, yeah. There's a lot of fans that were over this years ago. It just seems like it's never ending, you know? It's just like another thing yeah. that's crazy in this whole 10-year saga. Well, yeah, and I do think the good thing, and this is where you got to give Todd all the credit in the world for fighting on. And, 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 and I think most people now realize, and the NCA has to, I mean, their attorneys were almost apologizing afterwards and saying things like, yeah, we know we did things wrong. Yeah. We're trying to change. Yeah. Most of those people are gone. Unfortunately, most of them aren't gone. Uh, but, uh, but some of them are. And, uh, uh, I think the NCA has been, put on public display for how it, how it handled the USC case and how it handled Todd McNair. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, it comes down to a technical definition of what it means for defamation and, and, and how difficult that is. And very, very few people ever win at that level, uh, you know, for that kind of a, you know, a lawsuit if you're a public figure. But, um, but I think, Todd did a lot of good, um, you know, in exposing the NCAA and they have been exposed and, you know, they're going to fight and spend millions and millions of dollars and, and, you know, they, they don't want to take the hit, uh, even though they keep getting hit. I mean, even the, you know, the jurors said, sure, we knew those NCAA, you know, the number of the NCAA witnesses, we knew they weren't telling the truth, but, you know, so I don't know that that necessarily helps the NCAA, and it probably helps college athletics if it, you know, you hope it doesn't just force the NCAA to really keep everything totally 
uh, not transparent and totally, uh, you know, I'm guessing no one on the Committee on Infractions will ever write an email again. Uh, I think that already started to happen during, you know, during Todd's, uh, uh, you know, case. But um, but I, I do think uh, it was a worthwhile thing to, you know, show people what, you know, what it was the NCAA did, how they did it, why they did it. And, um, and, and let's just see, uh, see how this may play out. All right. Um, so we'll, we'll stay tuned for that, Dan. Watch on the Peristyle and uh, see if Dan drops any tidbits. I'll try to push him offline to see what he can tell me, uh, which is mm-hmm. probably nothing. Um, but we'll, we'll see what's going on there. No one's been closer to this trial than Dan and Keeley. They did a great job. So we'll uh, keep you guys up to date. Um, all right. So switching gears a little bit, summer workouts have started. Player run practices. They call them PRPs. We've uh, seen a couple of that. Well, we saw one. Um, it's a little different We're uh, there's apparently some new rules. We're not allowed to watch if they're going to practice on Howard Jones. So this last one on Friday, we went up into, uh, the stands of Cromwell field and, and watched everything that was, was going on. If anyone read your ghost notes, uh, it's sort of a, I guess you could say kind of a lackluster effort that you saw out there. Uh, still the, the that was the day. On Friday, freshmen were moving in, so we didn't see any of the new freshmen out there working out. We'll see if they do more practices this week, if we get to see JT Daniels and stuff like that. But maybe kind of get your thoughts on what you saw out there, Dan, for the, the first player run practice we got to see. Yeah, and I don't know, because they're never going to you know take us into their confidence as to exactly what the thrust of the player run practices are. They can't really be totally orchestrated by the, you know, the coaches can't be there. Um, uh, whether those were part of the actual summer player run practices since the freshmen weren't there, uh, it's hard to know. Uh, were they just, you know, uh, glorified uh, dummy uh, practice, just trying to get up to speed and, and, and for everybody to know, you know, the calls and the formations and the, you know, the plays and, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, it didn't look like they were going full speed. It looked like they were going to that kind of half, uh, not quite dummy, you know, slow, but not totally all out. Um, and so it was hard to evaluate. It, it looked like a practice to practice. And uh, uh it looked like a regular practice basically compressed into an hour with uh, all the, you know, the breakdown of periods exactly the way they do it and, and what have you. I'm not sure uh, that I, <laughs> I might have liked the old way better. Uh, just where they were more uh, uh, a function of the, you know, the quarterback that was in charge of the defensive guys that were in charge. And uh, uh, I, I, by the time they get through the end of the summer, having done the same exact thing every single day. And I know that's a big part of what Clay likes is that, um, that ability to really uh, know what, you know, what you're doing and be very consistent and do the same thing all the time. Uh, uh, I, I think I'd like some unpredictability in there and some new things and some, you know, let's, let's do this instead of let's do that or whatever. And, um, and, and, and try to keep them fresh, uh, because, and I know, you know, Clay likes the idea of before the season, uh, a mock game week and a game week, which means they stop practice, uh, two weeks before the first game, uh, in terms of, you know, the fundamentals and the physicality, and they start really just, you know, doing all the, all the stuff you do to, you know, prepare for say UNLV, uh, I'm not sure that's that's the way to go. Uh, you know, again, uh, you would like to see this team get as physically competitive and ready to go as possible. You don't want to, get to see anybody get hurt. You don't want, to, and they don't need to have any contact really, other than incidental in the summer. Uh, but you'd really like to see them challenge one another. That you'd like to see the defense just flat out not let the offense do anything unless they do something really well. And, and vice versa. I mean, I just think uh, I'd really like to see him go after one another and go after one another really hard. And I, I think that would be more valuable to them 
than getting their steps down or getting the formations down and all of that. Uh, by now, you would think they really pretty much ought to know, you know, what they're going to do, uh, you know, in terms of formations and, and play calls and things like that. Uh, so, so anyway, I don't know what we were seeing. I don't know exactly how we were uh, were supposed to evaluate it. I'd just like to see them. There are a lot of good athletes out there. I'd like to see them really challenge one another every single time they're on the field, every single play, every single thing they do. Uh, you would like to see them. I mean, that's where you know Pete Carroll was could not have been more right. And this is not a matter of saying let's do what Pete did, but the whole idea of competing every single minute you're out there competing as hard as you possibly can and competing because it's going to make you better and competing because it's going to make that guy across from you better is the way to go. And it was the secret to, uh, to Pete's success was that they got better. They had good players who pushed themselves and pushed one another and they got better. And I think USC is back to where they've got a lot of good, a lot of good athletes, a lot of good talent. And if they push themselves hard enough and they push the other guys hard enough, they're going to get better. And that's all you could ask. But, uh, but I need, they need to not just, I think, look at themselves and say, Hey, we got the, you know, we got the best talent in the pack. 12 we got the best, you know, we ought to, we ought to win and they should, but that's not where, you know, I, I, I don't think that's where USC's ambition should, should end. I think they need to say, you know, what can we do to be as good as anybody in the country? What can we do to keep Notre Dame from pushing us around? What can we do from keep Ohio State from, you know, ragdolling us? Uh, what can we do to keep Washington State from, you know, stuffing us on, uh, you know, on the ground and that kind of thing? I mean, you just, you know, you just can't accept, I think, where last year, uh, you know, for the most part uh, played out. That, that, you know, you can say, Hey, we won a national, or we won a Pac-12 championship. I'm not sure that would be the thing you'd want to, you know, when you look at how the Pac-12 ended up. That was not a great accomplishment for a USC football team, uh, and I think, you know, they need to have, you know, thoughts of, 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 you know, better than last year. And how do you get better from last year? You work harder, and you, you know, you work harder against one another, and you compete harder. And uh, they didn't exactly see that. Now, I know they said they, we heard that they had a really hard, uh, you know, weightlifting session. And um, uh, we don't, you know, we don't get to see that. And I think they went, you know, the, the conditioning is at 6 o'clock in the morning. So uh, they're asking a lot of those guys, and, and that's great. But I still think once they get back for the player run part of the practice, they really need to compete hard. They shouldn't be enjoying themselves to the point of, you know, I'll, I'll let you complete a pass and, and you'll feel good. And then I'll, you know, I'll play the next play or whatever. No, you just got to really compete on every, every play. And uh, I don't think we saw that. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into some questions because there's some questions about the summer workouts and the team in general and the direction they're going. So I think we'll be able to get a lot, you know, the, the remaining topics through these questions. Uh, Don wrote in, said, two days after graduating from high school, JT is throwing passes to all pro receivers. Have you heard any comments from Jones or Owens regarding JT's uh, throws? No, no, I have not heard how that, you know, how that went. So he, this was at USC, that he was throwing to some, yeah. some NFL guys, yeah. Right, no, I mean, I just think because of his ability to anticipate – and his ability to throw where people are going to be, uh, I don't think it's a big, you know, fall off for JT. I mean, and, and that seems almost ridiculous to say, hey, last year you're throwing to, you're at modern day, uh, and you're, you know, you're playing in you know, the best high school league probably in the country, but still, it's modern day high school when you were only a junior, and now you're throwing to, uh, uh, you know, Julia Jones and, uh, and Terrell and those guys, and, um, there, he, there's something about him that just stuff like that happens. I think Jordan Palmer has done a wonderful job with him. I think it helps that, you know, Jordan Palmer also worked with Sam and that JT and Sam work together and that you hear things from Sam about JT where he, you know, and Sam and, 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 and Jordan, I think both indicate that, 
there are things that JT might do that are better than, than what Sam does now. Uh, he's got some, you know, a skill set that, that's, that's pretty special. So, so yeah, I don't know that he'd be, uh, you know, overwhelmed and, uh, and, and thrown to those guys. I mean, it just, uh, and that's the kind of thing you kind of take for granted at USC, you know, you'll, there were days in the summer you'll see, uh, you know, Tom Brady and Julian Edelman and guys like that, you know, out there, or, uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, I remember one morning last year going, I was, I guess I was heading down uh, for a morning workout and here comes uh, uh, JJ Watt, you know, he's you know taking three steps at a time heading up to his car after he worked out, you know, uh, just that's, you kind of expect that at USC. It is an advantage and it's something you just, uh, you, you just almost take for granted. And it, it, it's, uh, it, it's the kind of thing that you like for an in- incoming freshman, uh, you know, to be part of. We also had, he also had a kind of follow up with that or just the second part of his question. Do you think some of the incoming freshmen can push the returning players to compete more than last year, compete in practice? He said, I'm looking forward to a very competitive team this year. Um, has Helton and his staff grown enough the past two years to become better equipped to coach a big-time program? So that's all from Don. You know, it seems crazy to say that, that an incoming freshman is going to push anybody to do anything. I mean, but, you know, I mean, Amon Ra, he's, he does nothing but push the envelope, you know. I mean, he, he just – yeah, he's going to push some people. You know, as a as a, as a punt returner, and a kick returner, and a, and a receiver. Uh, J.T. Daniels, I mean, without a doubt, is going to push the the two quarterbacks. I don't think there's any there's any question about that. Um, I think uh, um, uh, Maoga has already started pushing people uh, from the outside and as an edge guy. And um, you know, we haven't seen you know the rest of the freshmen. Uh, you've got three or four of those guys who look like uh, they're going to be pushing people. So as in, it, it, college football isn't the way it used to be. It used to, what was the, when freshmen, I think, first got eligible, and the, the one statement was to the fact that, well, you could you probably figure you're going to lose a game for every freshman you start. Uh, that's not the way it is now. Uh, these kids are coming in from a different place, uh, they handle themselves differently. They think about themselves differently. Physically, some of them are ready to, you know, to, to compete uh, because of the, you know, the weightlifting at, at, you know, in high school is in such a different place. The individual coaching they get uh, outside of their high schools is in a, in a different place. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I actually, I know there have been years where you, where you write and you'll say, don't expect any of the freshmen to push any. And whenever I do that, they do. Somebody does, or <laughs> several somebodies do. And so, uh, you know, I'm probably not ever going to say that again because you, you just, you really don't know. I mean, you look at, I mean, I looked at like uh, Amaga, who was 220 and the player of the year in Hawaii. But again, some years you just don't know. Uh, and he comes in and he's like 230 and he's, more explosive than we had ever heard that he was. I mean, you know, people can say, wow, this kid's, you know, explosive. Well, we don't know that until you absolutely see him in person. Uh, so uh, we haven't seen some of those guys on the field, but, um, but you know, I'm, I think they're going to make a mark. Yeah, some, some, somebody will. Yeah, somebody will. I agree with you there. We just don't know who yet. Um, Mike? from Lakeview Terrace wrote in. He says, guys, WTF. Uh, so he's not real happy. Jack Jones turned out to be a jackass. Uh, that's not very nice, Mike. Uh, see what I did there with that thing? Once again, we have a lackluster player run practice. How could a lifelong Trojan fan feel good about our team or our coach right now? Am I hypercritical or do I have good reason to be worried? Jack Jones, Bryce Dixon, uh, Joseph Lewis, Osamacita, and the idiot kicker. I forget his name, bro. That's a lot of wasted talent. Tell me your thoughts, guys. I value everyone's opinion. That's Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, it, you hate to say it. Hey, it happens everywhere. It, it, you know, and those are over probably 
five years. Uh, and every one of those is, you know, a, a, a tragedy of, of sorts. We don't, we still don't know all the stories about all of them. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you're going to miss and your kids are going to miss. And, and that's, that's just what happens. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, as far as the lackluster workout, I mean, for example, those two last week, they might've been extra workouts that, that, that they were doing on their own. Uh, and that they're not really officially, you know, getting into the, uh, 11. I know Clay always talked about, they're going to have 11 PRPs that really matter. So I'm guessing that probably starts this week. So if those were extra on top of everything, um, I'm not as concerned if we see the competition ramp up, uh, you know, starting this week. Uh, I, I think if they were a matter of let's refresh everything from spring, let's get it all down, uh, that's great. And and good for you, and and good for everybody that showed up, and 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 I think there were 71, you know, uh, players who who were there, uh, not counting the freshmen. So um, I, I'm not going to be uh, judgmental yet. Okay, we'll just we'll describe what we're seeing. We may not make a big hard judgment on it uh, at, at this point until we uh, we see what we see, uh, you know, going forward. Uh, kind of along those lines, Tarek wrote in, are USC fans setting themselves up for disappointment if they expect a playoff berth, berth in Helton, Helton's third year? And while his contract was extended, do you feel this is a make-or-break year for Clay Helton? Okay. USC fans' disappointment really doesn't concern me at all. You know, hey, that's what fans are for, to be disappointed. I would be disappointed if USC fans – weren't expecting uh, uh, a run at a playoff spot. I, I would that would upset me, uh, and that would disappoint me, and that should disappoint all USC fans. This isn't about protecting USC fans from disappointment. God forbid that they should be disappointed. That would be really, uh, really a tragedy. No, USC fans. If you've got, I mean, I, I saw the one you know national survey this summer or late spring, I guess it was of the, the blue blood programs in America, and they were Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and USC number four. I think if you go in, you know, with uh, the 11 national championships, and if, you know, you count Reggie Bush's as many Heisman's as anybody at Notre Dame, Ohio State, I think, uh, uh, I don't think it's wrong to figure, hey, there's four teams in the playoffs, and we're coming out of the Pac-12, uh, we ought to, you know, be able to have a good enough record to to get in there. And I, so I don't think USC fans are setting themselves up for disappointment. I think they ought to be saying, uh, we expect that. That's what we expect. If you've got the kind of history and heritage and you've got the kind of recruiting that USC's had over the last four or five years, you should expect that you're going to be able to make a run at the uh, college football playoffs. <laughs> Uh, it's that simple. I mean, no, that, who cares if they're disappointed? You know, um, again, disappointing would be not expecting to make a run at the playoffs. He also wanted to know, are you confident uh, come fall, Daniel and Metorbebe will be ready? Uh, I got the sense from Russ uh, Romano, the trainer, that uh, things were looking real good with Daniel. So, you know, I think it's a it's a tricky deal with, uh, you know, I know they've been working on different kinds of things. It's not an obvious, uh, not an obvious answer, not an obvious uh, surgical answer to that, uh, uh, the way that flexor, you know, tightens up, that hip flexor tightens up on him. Uh, and, you know, they've certainly been working at it hard. And, uh, but I got a, a positive, optimistic uh, take uh, from Russ the other day. Russ the other day when I talked to him about Daniel. So we haven't seen Daniel, uh, but uh, uh, I, I think I don't think he would have reacted that way if if it wasn't looking uh, more positive than it say did in the spring. We had uh, we have one from Mark. He says, Dan, with the announcement of the Alabama game, so USC and Alabama will play in 2020 back in Dallas. Uh, it's still on 20, right? Yeah, I think that's the year. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. 
He says, does the Pac-12 control the revenue from non-conference games, or does the school retain those dollars, or you know, does USC get to keep the dollars from those games? Yes, he keeps the dollars. I don't know about what the TV dollars. I mean, I guess that's uh, uh, CBS will get that uh, uh, game as uh, an Alabama game, and I would imagine the TV dollars uh, go what, however the TV contract calls for them. But I think the the regular you know game uh, you know income from the game would is just what it would be if it was your own you know your own game. Uh, so I think USC does not share that at all. That's one of the things that makes it you know so attractive. I know Alabama, I think, is getting six million dollars for the game. Uh, I don't know if USC is you know going to get a like a four four million four four five million dollars uh, you know for that game. Uh, so. Uh, so that's a good hit. I mean, that's uh, that's that's why you do it. That's one of the reasons you do it. Obviously, you know the challenge and you know getting ready to play Alabama and getting ready to get your program up to that level. And I've always thought that's the time you want to play them. And obviously, you'd like to play them at the end of the year too. But uh, but again, I think it points out all the things that USC did not do right the last time. And one would hope that by this time they're ready to to do to do things right and uh, and, and get you know that's where you got to be looking and you got to say Alabama's you know I mean Alabama looked for years at USC said that's where they wanted to be and uh, and they got there and I think it's, it's USC's turn to say you know what they're doing how they're doing it is uh, you know much of what. What USC wants to do, you know, you're not going to do everything the same, and there are things you you can't do the same, or you don't want to do the same. But USC has some built-in advantages as well, and and you know you compete the way way you compete. But it's great, I think, to have Alabama as that opener in in 2020, and you recruit to it, and you coach to it, you weightlift to it, you do all the things you you can. Uh, you know, to be there. And uh, uh, it's really good for the program. Uh, Eric and Duck Country, who will be the team leader organizing all of the summer workout practices? Well, Matt Fink is the, uh, the offensive guy. I think the, 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 you know, quarterback with the most seniority automatically does that. And Cameron Smith is, is the guy on defense. And Cameron is, uh, he is the serious, you know, senior been there for, you know, this is his fourth year as a starter, really wants to, to make a mark this year. I mean, I look at him the way you looked at, uh, you know, uh, Troy Palomalu and Carson Palmer back in 2002 when they had enough of not getting it done and they had enough of, of, of not making a mark for USC football. And they took the, you know, with Pete Carroll, they basically said, we're going to make this happen. And, and they did. And I look at Cameron Smith as, as that guy on this roster who's going to tell him, look, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to make it happen. And, uh, and nothing else is uh, acceptable. So on offense, that's a good question as to who that guy is. Maybe Toa Lebanon. Um, I saw he was leading, you know, some drills uh, as a coach. Uh, the other day at the uh, at the Rising uh, Stars camp, and I think he's got he's you know kind of a quiet guy, but uh, but maybe uh, has that kind of uh, you know ability. I think Daniel Amater baby, and if he uh, you know if he uh, comes back and and can really be the you know the kind of player we think he can. Uh, I think you know Tyler Petit is is sort of a quiet guy, smart guy. Uh, heck, I saw the other day, was it Pro Football Focus? Had him as the number two tight end in the country. Uh, so they've got some people, I think, that, you know, could be that kind of a guy. They just haven't been to this point. And I think Aka Cedric Ware, tough kid, you know, senior uh, leadership potential, tend to be a quiet guy. Their they're leaders have... have seem to be more the the quiet guys but uh but there's gonna be a chance for somebody to step up or several somebodies and and i think that really does have to happen 
All right, Dan, we got one last one, one last topic, and we'll let you go. We got I, there's still more we haven't got to, but uh, we'll we'll get back to all these, and and you know we'll we'll get back on a regular schedule. But Earl in West LA wrote in. He says the annual second season ticket holder seat re- relocation has started. JT Daniels and PRP start soon. Fall practice begins in a couple of months. I'm exhausted by the noise about the quarterback competition. What other position competitions on offense and defense should I be watching? That's from Earl. Hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, there, I think there are a lot of positions. Uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, safety shakes out. A lot of talent there. I think Marvell Tell's got a chance to be an All-American. Uh but you've got uh, two second-year guys in Isaiah Palomalo and Bubba Bolden. You've got a freshman in Talano uh, uh, Hafanga. Uh, you've got uh, – I mean, I think all of those guys expect to be on the field. Uh, how, that, how that works out, I don't really know. And then you've got, you know, you know, you got a couple of really talented freshman corners uh, at a position where you've got guys coming back who are healthy now. Uh, where there's there's a lot of bodies there, and, and uh, you know, with Jonathan Lockett, I think moving in, and where does he end up? Does he end up there at nickel? Uh, just I think those uh, the, the the secondary. I think I'm going to be real interested in, in seeing how it shakes out. I know Iman Marshall reacted the other day. Uh, somebody, one of the you know preseason listings had their top 15 secondaries in the country and no USC. And, you know, these guys believe they're the number one in the country. So, so I think that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But then you look at linebackers and you've got a whole lot of guys there, um, you know, that, that, you know, expect to be on the field. Um, and then you look at the, you know, the front line uh, and you got the three second year guys uh, uh, who all expect to be on the field and you got Christian, uh, who expects to be on the field? A uh, lot of a um, lot of places where they're going to compete. The place I hope most that they are competing and are allowed to compete is on the offensive line. You got four starters back, but you got a lot of big body kids that maybe didn't assert themselves all that much in their first year here last year. Well, I'd really like to see them assert themselves. I'd like to see a lot of competition on the offensive line. I think, I think the more competition there, the better. I just think the, that that might be the most important place to see uh, younger guys, big body, younger guys really pushing, uh, you know, the guys that are back as starters. And I think they need to be pushed. I think everybody needs to push hard on that offensive line. And, you know, if they're going to be a run first team, I mean, I'm, I'm very confident about the three running backs. I think they, I'm just really, uh, you know, confident in their ability. Uh, I think they've got to get the schemes exactly right so that they can do it. They can't, and, and the two things that have to happen, they can't have penalties and they can't turn the ball over. If you're going to be a run first team, you really have to attack people. You got to be consistent. You got to believe in it. And I think that doesn't happen unless the offensive line gets the job done. And that's where a guy like Chuma Adoga cannot have the, the penalties. You just can't. You, you, you're putting yourself in too big a hole uh, if you're going to be a run first team, if you're, uh, you know, you're penalizing yourself. So, uh, uh, so, uh, so Earl, I would go offensive line first. And then, and then you pick your spot on defense because I just think there's a lot of – there's just so many bodies – that there's just going to be a lot of natural competition there. All right. That's Dan Weber back on the Peristyle podcast. We'll have him back again on a regular schedule. So uh, we're, you know, hitting up with the summer workouts. going to be a lot more to talk about heading into fall camp. And of course the uh, 2018 football season, Uh, Dan, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, thanks, and uh, enjoy the questions. Keep them coming. All right. That's Dan Weber. I am Ryan Abraham. We are both part of the USCFootball.com team. We hope you appre- we hope well, we appreciate you listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. 
People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.